0: Thank you. Before we leave today, uh, I am going to talk about what we plan on doing at Christmas time, those few days before December 25th. But before I'll, I'll do that at the end of the message before we leave. But let me also talk about this series that we're kicking off next week called Playlist. I was reminded when I saw the graphic that there was some debate on whether or not we should use a cassette tape because we were wondering. How many people would know what a cassette tape is? So in case you didn't know, it used to, we used to play music off of that. Um, there was debate, should we use an album? Should we use a CD? Should we use like a phone, 8-track? No, that was never on the table. But uh, anyway, I digress. Um, you know, Christmas is a season where we love music. Uh, I am one of those firm believers that you can't play Christmas music till 1201 a.m. on Thanksgiving evening. But Christmas music has begun at our house and all of us have our favorite songs and our favorite albums. But I don't know if you're aware of this or not, or aware of this or not, but in the Gospel of Luke, there actually are songs that help tell the Christmas story. Mary has a song, Zachariah has a song, and then when Christ was born, the angels sang a song after his birth. And so while we are in the season that the world and our culture has lots of songs to sing about Christmas, and we're going to celebrate those, um, that's why we're asking you to vote on some non-religious ones, we are going to turn our attention to what the Bible not only has to say, but sings during the Christmas story. So that's our playlist series that's coming up beginning next week but for now we are going to conclude the book of Ecclesiastes we're going to look at the last chapter chapter 12 specifically we're going to spend some time on the final two verses and if you look at chapter 12 the teacher who many believe is Solomon and if he didn't write the book he certainly influenced it a great deal he ends where he begins and he ends or begins chapter 12, the end of the book, with these words that will sound very familiar to you because the book of Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes started this way. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Now, if you think back a few weeks ago to when we kicked this series off, if you missed it, I encourage you to hit our website and listen to that message because we spent some time talking about what the teacher means. And in that, we learned that this word meaningless In the Hebrew, which is what the language of the Old Testament was written in, does not mean pointless. The message of the teacher that everything is meaningless is not that life has no meaning or life is pointless and there's no reason for it all. This Hebrew word, um, hebel, is what meaningless is. And the idea of hebel is a vapor or a mist, a poof of smoke, if you will, and that we talked about how life is short, it's elusive, and it's repetitive. You you try to grasp it. And Solomon, who we believe wrote Ecclesiastes, uh, was the Bible says was the wisest man in all the earth. He was king. He had all power, all authority, all influence. Um, he had an incredible amount of wealth. Some studies believe he, in all of history, he is the wealthiest man that has ever lived bottom line he had it all but at the end of the day it was all hebel it was all there and then gone and so now we get to the end of the story if you will and I can almost picture Solomon at the end of his life maybe the final days of his rule as king over Israel or maybe even in the final months of his life where he's looking back on having it all He writes these words, which we're going to look at, chapter 12, verse 13. He's like, that's the whole story. The whole story is it's Hebel. It's poof. It's here one day and then gone the next. But here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. The teacher leaves us in his final words with this idea, and it's the implication for you and I today. That ultimate satisfaction in life comes from fearing and obeying God. The teacher comes down when all is said and done. True meaning, true fulfillment, true enjoyment in this life only comes through fearing and obeying God. Now you probably have heard that phrase, we are to fear God. Or to fear the Lord. It's actually mentioned about 490 times throughout the entire Bible. Now when we hear the word fear, our minds immediately go to emotions that express an awareness of, of danger. There's the negative side. If you were to define that word fear, there's negative definitions for the word fear. Anxiousness being concerned about something, having reason for alarm. That's the negative side or the negative definition of the word fear. But the word fear also has a positive side to it. The positive side, fear can mean profound reverence or respect. So I want to talk a little bit about what does it mean when the teacher says that we are to fear God, let's make sure that we have a proper understanding ...of what that actually means. So three things that I believe the Bible teaches when it comes to fearing God. First of all, we fear God when God receives our undivided attention. One of the ways in which we fear God is when we give him our undivided attention. This verse in Psalms, the psalmist says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness... Give me an undivided heart. Let my undivided attention be on you. Why? That I may fear your name. The psalmist connects having an undivided heart to fearing God. Recognize that what we fear, both in the good and the bad sense, grabs our attention. Whatever we fear tends to be right in front of our our eyes, it grabs our attention. Now, one of my fears is of heights. Is anybody with me? They, you do not like heights. I mean, my stomach gets a little queasy. Um, I won't clean our gutters. I'll pay somebody to do that because I don't like being up on a ladder. You're not going to see me up on a roof, especially because we have two stories. So I just, even a 10-foot ladder, the other day we had a fire alarm. We needed to change the battery, and my wife knows this. And I'm up on a 10-foot ladder on the second floor, and I just, I just get a little queasy. And uh, I just don't like heights. There's a bit of a fear that I have there. Funny story with that. Several years ago, I was in the country of Zimbabwe. We were working with some local churches there. And before we re- returned, we had the incredible privilege to visit a beautiful part, one of the most beautiful parts in all of the world, called Victoria Falls, which is in Zimbabwe. And Victoria Falls is on the Zambia River. And the Zambia River separates the country of Zambia from Zimbabwe. How many of you like ziplining? Have you ever ziplined? Okay. I like zip lining. Five feet off the ground. But in Victoria Falls, they are host to the world's longest zip line. And it is about a football field and a half. The catch is it's 28 stories high. So you zip line over the Zambia River, literally from Zimbabwe to Zambia, 28 stories high. And there's a small river. Oh, by the way, there's alligators down there, too. So, I remember going, and uh, this was the second time I went, and the first time there was no way I was doing that. They also bungee jump off the river, but that was out of the question. So, I remember telling my wife, I said, I think I'm gonna zip line. And I was kind of boastful about it, and she says, Yeah, right, let's talk about it when you come back. So, I was there, and I was traveling with a couple people from our church, and one of them was a good friend of mine named George. And I remember I'm, I'm getting ready to zip line, they're buckling me in, and I said, George. No matter how much I scream or no matter what I say, do not let me get off this zipline because I can't return home and answer to my wife and tell her I didn't do it. So I ziplined over the Zambia River. Thank you. It was a great accomplishment in my life. But how many of you know that that fear that I had of heights, the positive, there's a positive and a negative to it. The negative side, yeah, my stomach was queasy. And it took me about halfway getting across before I even opened my eyes and began looking down. There was anxiousness that I had. My blood pressure was high. But the positive side of my fear is that I respected my environment. And I respected the people that were running it and instructing it. And I obeyed everything they said because I didn't want to be hurt. Do you see the positive side of fear? So there's a positive and a negative side of fear. When we talk about undivided attention and fearing God, God should have our unwavering attention, and that He does not simply become just a small compartment of our life, something that we fit into one day of the week like Sunday. We give Him our undivided attention, we give Him the attention that He deserves. We don't try to balance God among all, our, our, all of our other priorities. God is not a side dish. He's the main course. He is the center and everything else find its place around him. So one way in which we fear God is giving him our undivided attention. The second way in which we fear God is that God re- should receive our unrivaled all. He should receive our unrivaled awe. This verse in, again, we'll go to the book of Psalm. For the Lord Most High is awesome. Some of the translations will say the, 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 for the Lord Most High is to be feared. The reason these words are interchangeable is because, again, part of the definition of that word fear is to be in awe of or to worship. So for... For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great king of all of the earth. So one of the ways, another way in which we fear God is by giving him all of our worship. He alone should receive our adoration, our praise. The glory is all due him. And worship and all come from recognizing how God has worked from Genesis to Revelation. How he has worked in our life in the past and how he is working now. This is the importance of worship. Not just the first 20, 25 minutes that we have when we gather corporately. But as Paul says in Romans 12, I urge you, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that we are to present our bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which Paul then says is a reasonable form, is our spiritual form of worship. So giving God our unrivaled awe... Our unrivaled worship is gathering to worship, but then when we leave, everything that we do glorifies him. So we fear God by giving him our undivided attention, our unrivaled all. And the last one is, the way we fear God is by God receiving our unparalleled allegiance. Right at the beginning of the Bible, Moses talks about this in the book of Deuteronomy. He says to Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only, here we go, we see it, that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him. And love him and serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul. The total commitment here that Moses is talking about to God's people is clear. That fearing God, fearing the Lord leads to total loyalty and total obedience. The fear of God and faith are connected. We talked about this um, last year the year before when our, th- our theme was it is by faith. We spent time talking about what that word faith means. In the Greek, it's pistis. And faith is not just a hopeful feeling. It's not just having good thoughts about something or believing it could happen or wishful thinking. Faith is loyalty and allegiance. Very connected to fear of God. However, oftentimes our problem is that we give our current circumstances or our current problems, the things that we're facing. We give them more fear or more weight than they deserve. We fear the bigness of our problems more than we do the bigness of our God. I love what rapper and author Lecrae says talking about the fear of God. He says, we fear circumstances so much... Because we fear God so little. Fearing God means we give him our undivided attention, our unrivaled awe, and our unparalleled allegiance. So let's go back to where we started. Chapter 12, verse 13. The teachers, that's the whole story. My final conclusion is that we should fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. The second part is that first we fear Then we obey God's command. The teacher explains that we will demonstrate that we fear God. We will demonstrate or show in our lives that we fear him when we obey and we do what he says. The one fearing God leads to the other obeying his command. We demonstrate that we fear God by obeying and listening and doing what he says. If we acknowledge in our life that Jesus is Lord... And I believe the majority of us in this room would say that. If we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, then how many of you understand, then we need to do what Jesus says. And that's the hard part. Jesus said it by his own words in, in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. You see, the attitude of fearing God should result in the action of obeying his commands. When we live giving God our undivided attention, our unrivaled awe, and our unparalleled allegiance, we will then be obedient to Jesus. So the teacher concludes saying, you should fear God and you should obey him. And then he gives us two reasons why we should do so. One is in that verse we've been looking at. We are to fear God and obey his commands. Why? For this is everyone's duty. It's everyone's duty. Now, I already mentioned the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. When they translated from Hebrew to English, here's the one thing about this particular verse. The word duty is not included in the Hebrew. If we were all to read this from the Hebrew Bible, it would read like this. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone. Or rather, fear God and obey his commands, for this is mankind. This is what it means to be human. Let me explain. It's not just our responsibility. It's not just our duty as Christ followers to fear God and obey his commands. The teacher is saying it is our very essence as humanity to fear God and obey him. God created every man and woman in his image to worship him, to stand in all of him... And to keep his commandments. That is God's design for all of humanity. We ought to fear and obey God. Because it is the best and fullest expression of what it means to be human. This is what Solomon came down. When all is said and done. This is what he came to understand and know. Again, this is a man who was king of Israel. He had all power and authority. He could snap his fingers and it would be done for him. He was, some believe, the richest person that had ever lived. There was no lack of wealth. He, at one point in Ecclesiastes, said that he denied himself no pleasure. This man had everything. But at the end of the day, he recognizes that ultimate satisfaction in life only comes from fearing and obeying God. It is our essence. Here's the second reason. The teacher says that we should fear and obey God. And it's the final verse in this book, and it's a pretty heavy verse, if you really think about it. The the, uh, teacher says that God will judge us. The last verse in the book of Ecclesiastes. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Think about that. Think back in your life. Think back to today. Thoughts. Words that come from your mouth. Mistakes. Decisions that you have made. The teacher says that God will judge. One day. Man, that's heavy. Isn't it? It's terrifying in some ways. Well, today I have good news and I have bad news. Concerning God's judgment. Here is the good news. And those of you who follow Jesus, you have got to hear me on this because we often forget. Those of you that have placed your faith in Christ, those of you who in one moment have dedicated your life to Christ, Lord, I am pledging my loyalty, my allegiance, my faith to you. Here is the good news for you, Jesus follower. The good news is that If you are a follower of Jesus, everything changed regarding God's judgment in the New Testament. Now, as followers of Jesus, we still must fear and obey God. However, our fear is a positive fear. It's not the negative fear. It's a respect and it's an awe and it's a reverence. And our obedience to God as his followers, our obedience to Jesus as his followers. The motivation of our our obedience is not based on the negative definition of fear. Jesus follower, you should not be anxious or look in the negative aspect of fear towards God's judgment. Regardless, when I gave you a few moments to think about things you have said, things you have thought, things you have done, things that have happened in secret... You do not have to be anxious about the judgment day of God. Remember the famous, probably the famous verse in all of the Bible, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should what? Not perish. If you believe in Jesus, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. Hear me on this, Christian. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself all of God's judgment for sin. Your debt was paid on the cross. The judgment that was due you, that the teacher is talking about in Ecclesiastics, was paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. So dread of God's judgment, anxiousness. Danger, alarm, you do not need to have those emotions or fears and that should not be the motivation for keeping God's command because it was paid for by Jesus. We must recognize and remember that the judge is now our savior. The judge that you feared is now the one who saved us. Jesus said those words himself in the Gospel of John, these are Jesus' words. Jesus said, the Father, God the Father, judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to who? The Son. You catch that? Jesus is saying, the Father has entrusted with me now all judgment. And then Jesus says that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Now, catch this. Truly, I tell you, Jesus speaking, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, Jesus follower, that's you. If you believe the word of God, believe in Jesus, you believe in him who sent me, you have eternal life and you will not be judged. But you have crossed over from life to death. You have crossed over from death to life. God's judgment is no longer a threat to the Jesus follower. Therefore, we do not seek to obey God's commands because or out of fear or anxiousness of his coming judgment. Rather, we obey God. We are motivated to obey him because of his love that he has demonstrated for us. And we are grateful for his grace. Jesus' grace that saved us from judgment. That is our motivation to obey him. However... I do have some bad news today. If you are not a follower of Jesus, if you never at one moment in your life have ever taken the time between you and God, not between you and a pastor, between you and God, and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, I've made mistakes, and I need you in my life. I recognize that you sent your son Jesus to this earth to be fully God and fully man. And he bore my judgment on that cross. And he rose from the dead. And today I commit my life to you. I give you my loyalty. I give you my allegiance. I place my faith in you. If you have never done that, you do have a lot to be fearful for. Because as the teacher said, you will stand before God one day. And there should be an anxiousness in you because everything that you have said, done, good and bad will come before God's judgment. And no matter how much good you've done, it will never outweigh the sin that is in all of our lives. But you don't have to leave here carrying that negative side of fear. Paul said these words that in one moment... You can be made right with God. How? By placing your faith, as I said, placing your loyalty, placing your allegiance in Jesus Christ. And I love this. Paul said this is true for some. This is true for everyone who believes no matter who you are. No matter what you have said. No matter what you have done. No matter, no matter, no matter Paul says you can be made right with God today. If you believe and place your faith in Jesus Christ. He goes on, familiar, for all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty penalty for our sins. Ultimate satisfaction in life. It comes when we fear God and we obey Him. But if you have never done that, there is a negative side of fear and you should be anxious. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads at this moment. I want to give you an opportunity. You have never placed your faith in Christ do what Paul said to be made right in this moment I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to invite you up I am simply going to ask you to invite your to raise your hand in this moment if you want to be made right with God I see you in the back sir thank you raise your hand in this moment this is between you and God thank you sir thank you sir thank you sir you can put your hand down i give you just a moment You want to place your faith in Jesus Christ today so that all fear, anxiousness, concern will be removed when you stand before God. You will be made right with God today no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Raise your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, young man. Thank you, ma'am. Put your hand down. Thank you. Now I want to pray. And as I pray... I want you to hear the words that I'm praying, but more importantly than that, I want you to echo those words in your heart to God. And this is your moment between you and God to be made right with Him. And in this moment, you are confessing your faith, you are confessing and pledging your loyalty and allegiance to Jesus alone. Your undivided attention is going to God. Your unrivaled all in worship is now going to Jesus. Your unparalleled allegiance is now going to Jesus. And you will be made right with him. Heavenly Father, you saw the hands that were raised here. Lord, you know who they are by name. I believe some who have raised their hands may feel like they have been overlooked or forgotten. There may be carrying hurt from past relationships could be hurt from the church they could be hurt by other christians but lord would the reality of your grace and love overwhelm them today may they know your peace may you remove all anxiousness may you remove all fear of judgment because in this moment they will be made right with god Lord, we confess with our mouth that we are short and lacking of your standards. That we are sinful people and we are in need of a Savior. But you made it possible by sending your son Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas to be God with us. And that little baby grew up to be a man who would die on a cross and take all of that judgment, all of our judgment upon him. And in that moment, he would pay the price for us. And then three days later, he would raise again and go to heaven with you. So, Father, I thank you that today there are new names written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, secure them, guard their mind and their thoughts, and give them peace and joy. And let them carry that good news today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.